Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. The U.S. House of Representatives is scheduled to vote today on a long-awaited $19.1 billion disaster aid package. President Donald Trump openly objects to the bill's inclusion of additional relief for funding for Puerto Rico. And the House of Representatives has stalled the vote because the bill does not include funding for border security. Immigration provisions were removed to help ensure the aid would pass, where it has already through the Senate. Relief for Georgia farmers has been a political football on Capitol Hill. From the devastation of Hurricane Michael to trade tariffs, farmers have faced months of uncertainty. So what is the outlook and mindset for Georgia's agricultural industry? Well, Mark Peel is a cotton grower and president of the South Central Georgia Gin Company, joining us on the line from Berrien County. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Good morning. Good morning to you, Virginia. And Jeffrey Harvey is with us. He's director of the Public Policy Department with the Georgia Farm Bureau. Joining us from our Macon studio, Jeffrey, thank you for taking the time. Good morning, Ms. Prescott. Thank you for having me this morning. Well, thanks for being here. Now, Mark, we spoke with you last October just after Hurricane Michael roared through South Georgia. Acres of cotton ready for what looked like a boom harvest were flattened. What's, what have the last few months been like for you? Well, Virginia, every time we talk, you know, it just seems like doom and gloom is all I have to report. Um, I'm afraid it's not much better. Once again, it's weather-related. We are facing one of the, the toughest droughts I've seen in years. Um, we haven't had significant rainfall since um, oh, sometime in February. And uh, with three months, I don't think we've had any rain, measurable rain, and uh, record heats, I don't think, I can't remember when we've ever had uh, so many consecutive days of 100-plus degree temperatures in the month of May. Month of May is our planting month, and when the peanuts and the cotton go in. And um, right now, a lot of our seed is just, is, uh, is just sitting in dry dirt, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, we're just, uh, can't believe it. You know, we went from extreme um um, rain, you know, following Hurricane Michael now to extreme drought. And um, it just, um, some of our guys were ba- barely able to negotiate funding for this year, and some of them have carried over some old debt into this current year. And we really, coming off the heels of um, Michael, we really needed everything to fall into place. Yeah. And, um, and we are really off to a rough start. Yeah, and as we know, it did not. Now, I believe the deadline for crop insurance is yeah. what, June 10th, June so this 5th, week? June the 5th. Oh. Well, to receive full coverage, and it drops, I believe it drops um, one percentage point right up to June the 15th. And after June the 15th, you have no coverage, you know, so... Our guys are really, really involved in a risky business. You know, it's tough. It's tough. You know. I'm, I'm curious. You know, you talk to a lot of other farmers. So you're hearing from them that they are also incurring more debt. Jeffrey, I'm wondering what kind of decisions are made for crop insurance and what does it actually insure? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, most farmers evaluate uh, uh, their crop insurance options and just make sure that they're at least covering their input cost, and uh, crop insurance is it, obviously it doesn't protect you against situations like Hurricane Michael. But 
Um, mo many farmers are required to carry it. Uh, their lending institutions will require them, and, and they just make sure that they've got enough coverage to at least cover most of their inputs to get them up and running. All right. So it, it, as Mark mentioned, we needed everything that they could help us with. Can you bring us through what exactly happened to disaster relief funding promised to Georgia's farmers by the president, by the vice president, and other uh, federal officials right after the storm? I know it's a complicated story, but if you could summarize that for us. Yeah, it, it is, and it's uh, eight months in the making, and uh, it's it's been very frustrating to watch the process. And uh, we, there's been two or three situations where we thought we were surely going to be able to, to ride in on an appropriations bill or uh, a, another measure that, that would help get us to the, to the finish line. But I, I do think that, that we, we owe a, a debt of gratitude to our Georgia legislature. If, if you remember, the governor, a former governor deal called special session on November 13th, and, you know, the state did what it could do to help, and, and many of the farmers that we've talked to, they, they would not be operating this year if it wasn't for some of the assistance that the state provided right mm -hmm. at $275 million, uh, low-interest loans, and some income tax credits there to get them up and running. Our delegation in Georgia uh, has, has worked tirelessly to keep the conversation alive in Washington. Um, as with many states, the conversation may have moved on after eight months, but our guys, uh, especially down in southwest Georgia and in the middle part of the state, have continued to stand up and, and, and ask for assistance. So we were happy to see the Senate take action before the memorial recess, and, and we're we're uh, excited to see what they're going to do today. Right. Uh, Senators Purdue and Isaacson also really active in advocating for aid. But this is all on top of a brewing trade war with China, characterized by brinksmanship, certainly on both sides. How have those that trade war ratcheted up tariffs affected affecting Georgia farmers? It's it's been a uh, it's been a, a difficult situation considering you know the, the 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 issues with China started last summer. Uh, we had Hurricane Michael in October, and you know it's it's just been one one bad uh, bad issue after another. And as Mark said, coming into a, a rough planting season and a very severe drought right now, it's mm. it's been tough. And we we were try to try to remain optimistic, but. You know, the the issues with China are, are concerning. We, we feel like they're very, um, it may be a, a long-term dispute that we're, we're dealing with. We are excited we, that the administration, the president, recognizes this issue, and he recognizes the fact that ag commodities have been hit very hard and uh, has taken action along with Secretary Purdue to, to help uh, through a market facilitation-type program that would help those producers who are exporting products into China. Now that there is Jeffrey Harvey, Director of Public Policy Department with the Georgia Farm Bureau. Also with us is Mark Peel, a cotton grower and president of the South Central Georgia Gin Company. And of course, last week, the president announced 10% tariff on Mexican goods effective this week. Uh, so increasing the, the stakes, let's say. At the end of May, uh, President Trump, as you just alluded to, announced $16 billion bailout for farmers who had been hurt by the trade war. And that this follows a similar aid package of $12 billion in aid uh, in summer of 2018. Did farmers in Georgia see any of that financial aid, Jeffrey? Yes. Uh, I mean, we were 
we were scheduled to receive, I think, right at $47 million for our state, most of that going to cotton producers. So I, I haven't checked back to find out what the final final tally is on what we've what we've gotten, but we're excited that this new program uh, expands on the crops that will be covered, uh, crops like pecans and peanuts that were not covered in the last version of this facilitation program will now be covered, and and uh, you know obviously we'd much rather have free trade and open markets, but in in light of this, uh, many of our folks have stood behind the president and think that this short-term pain will be worth the long-term gain, so to speak. And, mm. uh, we're, we're hopeful that this will help get us through these tough times, and you know, once a deal is reached, that we'll all benefit from it going forward. I'm looking at uh, a Department of Agriculture numbers. By November, just under a billion had been paid out to farmers since the first $6 billion pot of money was made available back in September. So a lot of that money hadn't been distributed. Mark, did you see any of that? No, ma'am. You did not. We're still, and we're still hanging on to the promises. You know, that's filtering down to us from our government. You know, back in March, we were promised, you know, disaster relief money, and it wasn't a question that it it was a done deal. Basically, all I do is clear the Senate. It was a done deal. It just, you know, we were told like four to six weeks for it to make it to the to local FSA offices, and then all they had to do process the money and send it out to us. And mm. you know, here it is, <laughs> you know, June. And uh, we were told we were promised something, some decision we made before um, before Memorial Day recess. And um, I understand someone blocked that as well. And um, this is Trump country. Let me just say this: this we back the president. I back the president myself. And and I think I understand. I think most of the farmers understand what's going on. What you know, what the uh, administration is trying to do, and and sort of um, with the tariffs, but. I think, you know, that uh, maybe China is targeting the agricultural um, industry in the U.S., you know, the infrastructure as well as all the farming. And, you know, in our neck of the woods, we, the agricultural industry backed the president. And if this is part of their strategy, you know, to, as a way to apply pressure to Trump, uh, it's working. It's working. Mm. Because I got, I mean, right now, cotton is 66 cents. And that's a direct result of the tariffs. And one strategy we thought maybe maybe we could sell to China indirectly through Mexico, you know. And now, that, that, <laughs> now, that now looks like that deal is not going to work. We don't know what how Mexico is going to retaliate, you know. Well, well, President Trump has said American farmers are resilient, and then can they can weather the storm. Mm. Well, what do you think? Well, it doesn't you see, sound- it's the. I mean, well, I mean, storms we're gonna have to weather. I mean, the tariff storm and Michael storm and Irma storm and now the drought. You know, we understand that to a certain extent we're kind of pawns in this this tariff game, but you know, it's no game to us. You know, and I'm receiving some negative feedback from some of our growers, and that some of them very they were you know staunch Trump supporters, and they are really really rethinking their position on this. I mean. It's, it's got down to, um, it's just survival right now. Yeah, I what mean, a shift. That's just it, you know. So spring, a number of crops already planted, peanuts, for example, you said in dry ground. Mm-hmm. What what tools do we have at our disposal to help Georgia farmers through and maintain the value of Georgia grown? Um, if you're speaking to me, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. 
I guess I'm asking that question in general because, you know, as you said, we've talked a number of times through the past few months, and it is doom and gloom. Yeah. And, I, and I hate it. I hate it because it seems like that's, that's all I have to report. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I would love maybe the next time we talk, it would be, you know, things would be different. But, I mean, the farmers are that way. I mean, it's just like we can't catch a break, you know. Yeah. All right, so one one possible bright mark for Georgia farmers now, the, the passage of Governor Kemp signed a law permitting the cultivation of industrial hemp, which could be a great crop. What's the reaction from Georgia farmers? Jeffrey, can you answer that for us? Yes, ma'am. Um, we, this is this topic, we probably received more phone calls on, on this than anything else recently, other than obviously disaster assistance. But you know, farmers are excited about it. They, you know, it's in the news. It's everywhere. People want to understand, you know, how it's grown, you know, what the rules are going to be. And, you know, if, if this is a viable crop for us, farmers are uh, always looking for that opportunity. You know, what's the, what's, you know, show a farmer a market and he will, he will feel that, uh, that need. So uh, there's a lot of interest in it. Uh, I think we're on hold right now until uh, USDA approves our, our request and rules and regs are written. So I, I don't expect this, uh, this crop to go in this year, but, but possibly next year. And, and, you know, if there's processors that, that want to work with farmers on, on producing the crop, then I'm sure we will see some of it um, in, in our state. Well, Jeffrey Harvey, Director of Public Policy Department with the Georgia Farm Bureau, I want to thank you for your time. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And I, I appreciate you having me this morning. And Mark Peel, just appreciate your honesty and candor. And next time, let's find something really happy to talk about, shall we? I hope so. Mark Peel, cotton grower and resident, uh, president rather, of the South Central Georgia Gin Company, joined us on the line from Berrien County. Now stay with us. What happens to boy singers when their voices change? They might quit, but one professor shows choirs how they can continue to incorporate those changing voices. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for more of On Second Thought. Let us know how you think we can help Georgia farmers. You can go to at OST Talk on Twitter. We have a Facebook group. Facebook On Second Thought GPB. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.